0: Support for The Source podcast comes from UT Health San Antonio, South Texas' largest academic research institution, where what is discovered in its labs translates into life-changing patient care. More at groundbreakingresearch.org.
1: Live from the John L. Santico studio, this is The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla, in for David Martin Davies. A series of global tragedies led 60-year-old John Oakes to stop eating for seven days. This is a decision that would ultimately transform his life and become the subject of his latest book, The Fast. John is here with us today to talk about the history and significance of fasting. And John, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super looking forward to this conversation.
2: Hila, thanks so much for having me on.
1: The number to call if you have a question or comment is 833-877-8255. That's 833-TPR-TALK. And you can also email us at TPR.org. Is fasting part of your life? Has it improved your health or changed your perspective on what's important? Give us a call at that call-in number. So, John, when you were 60, you decided to stop eating for seven days in the aftermath of global tragedies. Could you tell us more about what inspired that?
2: Yeah, Kayla, I, um, (laughs) well, it was really at the end of the Trump administration, and I just wanted to, I really wanted to purge myself. I just wanted to, to, to again, and the only way I could think of doing that was by I just spontaneously undertook a long fast with a partner, which helps. Uh, and um, in the course of doing that, I just got interested in the historical roots of fasting and why it it's so important to to world religions, so many different world religions, and uh, it's history and, and it just seemed fascinating to me. And so I decided to try and put that together in a book.
1: Well, in your book, you start off by writing that you weren't an athlete and you really love to eat. And yeah. I mean, so was fasting t- tough at first? Had you done it before? Or what What was that like? Yeah,
2: I had <laughs> done it as a uh, relatively young man about 30 years before, just um, sort of as a Uh, Exercise. Uh, But this time, I really, it was really more of an extended meditation for me. I wasn't doing it for health reasons. I wasn't uh, trying to lose weight or anything uh, like that. And by the way, it doesn't, fasting really doesn't help you to lose weight. Um, But uh, for me, it became a very rewarding experience. I'd even say empowering. And yeah, a, 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 an enriching experience.
1: What was it like doing it with a partner? How did that kind of keep you? Do you think that helped keeping you oh, definitely. Uh, accountable? Yeah. I mean,
2: as somebody who's not particularly uh, strong-willed, uh, having somebody doing it with me was helpful. Um, I, many people don't need that kind of uh, support, but for me it was helpful. Um and uh you know, then we you if you do it with a partner or even or a friend, you know you can complain to each other about how miserable you feel the first uh, couple of days. but generally, if you're going on a long term fast, and by the way, of course, you have to drink plenty of liquids during this process, um, the first couple of days are a little uncomfortable, I wouldn't say painful, um and sometimes that extends even into the third day, but then this incredible cocktail of uh, your body produces these amazing chemicals and you reach uh, most people reach a, some kind of measure of serenity about day 3 and you're feeling pretty good and and um, we went about our work lives as usual and uh, uh, while some people found me a little bit spacey during this period, Mm -hmm. Uh, I I don't think my work uh, suffered and uh, I was able to go about, you know, thinking and behaving as normal. What we really found is that uh, you really have so much more time in the day because you're not shopping for food, you're not preparing the food, you're not eating, and uh, suddenly you're... during. You have these hours and hours added to your day, which can be a good or a bad thing. But um, apart from the sort of the tactical effects and what it does for your body, I've, I've found it to be, um, it's a good way to think about the process of consuming and how you consume and what you need to consume and what you don't need to consume. And if, at least speaking for myself, I do so much by rote you know without thinking about it and now for me fasting is a good way to think about uh, what I'm doing and and then you know I stop the fast and I forget again but mm-hmm. um, that's why I, I, I think it's something I'm always going to come back to.
1: Well I want to listen to a voicemail that we got from one of the listeners.
3: When i
4: 12 years old, I read this book called God's Chosen Fast, which was out of print for many years but has recently been republished and it very much affected me. And nothing could have upset my family more than me saying that I was no longer going to eat one day a week. But they eventually realized uh, not only was it not going to kill me, but they had to quit thinking that fasting would kill people. And that fasting, Faces for Scriptures in the Jewish tradition, which is also the basis for Christian and islamic traditions clearly shows that fasting is not just about physical fasting but that it is a way a pathway to learn to be more compassionate and show the compassion of god to other people but i have found it so helpful to have that spiritual discipline in my toolkit when dealing with emotional crises in one moment in particular i remember I happened to be on a VIA bus when the United States declared war on Iraq. There were several veterans who were my neighbors on the bus. The bus driver pulled over. He had gotten a notice from the VIA headquarters, and he stated that the United States has just declared war on Iraq, and immediately all of those veterans started weeping because they knew what happens um, to the soldiers. And there was a young man on the bus who immediately started shouting, yes, let's go some Arabs and everyone else was just weeping. And I started, And it was just automatic that I just stopped eating for several days. And because to me, it is such an amazing thing when you have that in your life, that your body responds by letting you have a way to deal with grief that I think is very healthy and, and very beneficial to health, not to be trying to force yourself to eat during those times when you have grief or other major emotions in your life. Thank you.
1: John, we got about 40 seconds here, but if you want to respond to that voicemail that we just yeah, got. Yeah, I think that's
2: really a, a beautiful summary of, of one of the aspects of fasting, that it can be uh, uh, spiritually invigorating, and it gives you a quiet space. Because when you're eating, when you're consuming, when you're going about your daily life, it's very hard to take a long view. And certainly, I I agree with your, your caller. I, certainly for me, These fasting periods have provided uh, some some measure of stability of you get yourself off the treadmill and you think about or or maybe you you just sort of uh, approach a, a meditative state. It makes a lot of sense to me.
1: All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a break right here for our listeners. If you have any experience with fasting, if you have any questions about fasting, you can call us at 833-877-8255. That's 833-TPR-TALK. This is The Source on Texas Public Radio, and we'll be right back.
0: Support for TPR comes from the Lawton family of restaurants. Cappy's, Cappuccino's, Mama's Cafe, La Fonda on Main, and Jingu House. Located in San Antonio, their diverse menus and hours can be viewed at LawtonRestaurants.com.
1: Welcome back to The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla. We're talking to John Oakes, who is the publisher of the Evergreen Review, and he is also author of the new book, The Fast, The History, Science, Philosophy, and Promise of Doing Without. And I want to go to a caller that we have, and we have Michael on the line. And Michael, go ahead. You're on the air.
5: Yes. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. I really enjoy your show. Uh, just have a comment. Uh, regarding fasting you know as a catholic we're uh, in the first week of lent and as catholics as long as we're in good health we're supposed to be giving up something that we like for you know 40 days to kind of represent similar to what christ did for us where he fasted for 40 days and uh was even tempted by the devil um uh, but uh this is just a small way that we can show our uh, gratitude for what the Lord did for us and the sacrifices that he made and uh, you know, something very small, but um, it, in my opinion, it's very rewarding to, to, to support that. And um, that's, that's the only comments I wanted to make, but uh, I appreciate your show. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much for that call, Michael. I really appreciate that comment. And so, John, do you want to speak more to the significance sure. of fasting in Catholicism and in broader religion?
2: Sure, uh, uh, Michael. Uh, that's that's absolutely part of a, an ancient tradition that goes back to the origins of Christianity, and of course, as the previous caller mentioned, uh, goes it's in, in Judaism. And it goes back long before that, as well, you know, into well, Judaism has been around probably five thousand years, but uh, the Greeks were also fasters, Pythagoras. But speaking to the Catholic tradition, um it it again, giving up something helps you reassess your own place in the world, and uh, as you say, it uh, enables you to think about what you have and perhaps what you need or what you think you need, it's a good way to sort of uh, measure ourselves. I think what's very important about the fasting, kind of fasting we're talking about, is that it has limits. That uh, Because, of course, if you go, if you fast uh, outside of a religious context and you're doing it on your own and you do it without limits, then you get into what can be uh, an anorexic uh, situation, which is a disorder. It's essentially fasting without end and that is really a bad thing but fasting with borders really seems to me to be a spiritually rewarding enterprise and um uh yeah can can have benefits also uh, some some good health benefits but but as michael suggested it doesn't have to be about food it can be about uh giving up i you know digital uh pleasures or, uh, you know, just something, uh, changing your lifestyle in a way that affects you, that takes you out of the run of things.
1: Well, can you talk to us more about holy anorexia? I'd never heard that term before reading your book.
2: (laughs) Sure. This was particularly something that uh, seemed to be documented in the uh, really starting in the Middle Ages and uh but it goes back to uh, Jer- uh St Jerome who is one of the is sometimes cited as the, the the most important force in the early Christian church and Jerome really saw fasting as a way to punish the body and uh he uh advocated a kind of uh mortification that uh I don't find very sympathetic but it 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 changed the early church which was uh, Uh, a very different uh, institution, and it became uh, really a question of atoning for your sins. And so fasting in the light of what Jerome wrote became a way to uh, atone very physically for uh, uh, just being put on the planet by God. And um, that. Culminated in the Middle Ages, with uh, many people were uh, holy fasters, and of course Catherine of Siena, who's one of the great saints of of the Catholic Church, was uh, 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 a great faster, and in fact died in her 30s. Um, this seems to me a, an extreme version of of uh, taking the virtues of fasting to a point that. Um, is uh, at least beyond something that I understand, but uh, that that also has, I think, uh, in in the eyes of many people, uh, fasting still has that shadow o- uh, over it that it's the that it, it's an extreme practice. But it it just is recurrent in human history, and I think it's a a, a natural part of being human that sometimes we feel the need to stop and assess things. And fasting is a very good way to do that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it can be akin to prayer, but I, you certainly don't have to be religious to indulge in it. I'm not a religious person, but um, uh, it, it can provide a lot of benefits, I think.
1: Well, for some people who have a history of disordered eating, religious fasting can either, you know, sometimes it can trigger their eating disorder or maybe encourage some unhealthy thinking around fasting. Has there been any sort of uh, addressing the complications of, you know, fasting is supposed to be a religious devotion, but it can also be self destructive and become a toxic yes. thing for some people?
2: The anorexia is really a, um, a these days, people regard it as something that has a largely genetic component. Kayla, it's it's um, it's I it's of course uh, we're assaulted by all these uh, you know the, I think it's a seventy nine billion dollar diet industry that you know tells us to to get thin. But anorexia, which is really extreme. Fasting and is is a disorder is is largely genetic and I think it's very hard for people to slip into that kind of um, thinking Um, and and I haven't heard of people doing it uh, uh, purely from the influence of you know uh, of of observing Lent or Ramadan for that matter or in, in Judaism there are many fasting days scattered throughout the year the most Important of which is uh, Yom Kippur, the Day of uh, Atonement. But um, the the key thing about the religious fasting days is that, as I say, they have limits and uh, and and boundaries, and that that uh, I think uh, reminds people that they have to get back into the world. They you can step back out of it, but then you get back in. You you sort of put things down, but you take them up again.
1: Well, another part of your book is that you go into what happens to the body biologically yeah. when we fast. And so could you talk to yes. us more about how the body changes the more you fast? Sure, it,
2: it's really cool. Uh, the, uh, at, at the beginning of a long-term fast, although, by the way, uh, fasting, you, you can benefit even from a few hours of fasting medically, but if you're into a longer fast, um, at the beginning, your body, the, the, all these, uh, what's called the enteric nervous system, which has, uh, I think it's about 500 million neurons, nerve cells, which is sometimes called the brain in the gut, start sending all these messages to your brain that, uh, you know, what are you doing? You're, you're starving me and you should go out and, you know, hunt an antelope and eat it and, and, <laughs> and you know, things aren't, aren't right. But if you keep on with the fast, then suddenly things start to change and your body starts uh, issuing these chemicals. I'm sure uh, a whole uh, alphabet soup of chemicals, but some of them, I'm sure you've heard of like serotonin, which is sometimes Mm -hmm. called the happy hormone. There's uh, things like uh, BDNF, brain derived neurotropic factor, which uh, is supposed to improve your cognitive abilities. There seems to be some medical evidence that, uh, for m- most people, a fast can improve your cognitive abilities. It it, it can uh, it basically gives your body a chance to reset. Uh, by the way, I you know wouldn't recommend this for anyone else. I mean, I'm, as as you mentioned, I certainly am no athlete. I'm in reasonably good health, but if anyone's thinking of undertaking a, a a longish fast they you know they probably should check with their doctor and you mm-hmm. should always drink lots of fluids.
1: Well, can I just Sorry, say you, oh are you going to continue?
2: No, 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 go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say that you know there are times where I have either intentionally or unintentionally fasted sometimes because I'm so busy or you know we're not paying attention but sometimes I find myself breaking a fast in the worst way so I haven't eaten for hours and hours and my body you know like you just Mm. mentioned is desperate for food it's sending all these signals so sometimes we go to like the easiest or fastest thing which is usually like junk food so what happens to the body when you've reaped the benefits of fasting but then you break the fast by eating something (laughs) like a candy bar
2: well, as you know, you know, you get a sugar rush, and um, I'm no nutritionist, and and don't pretend to be. But we all know that if you eat a lot of sugar, and you know, if you suddenly feel, you know, oh, thank God, I have the, or or, uh, I, you know, finally get what I wanted. But then you're going to feel more tired in a bit. Uh, if you're if you're on a long-term fast, that that can be a serious uh, problem. And um, you really need to come out of a long-term fast, like, you know, five days or more, by taking it very easy. Take, I don't know, you eat yogurt and stuff that's easy to digest and broth and stuff. Like, just treat your body like it's, it's, it's uh, coming up to speed again. Be gentle with yourself and don't stuff yourself. Um, uh, or, or bad things can happen and, and your body can just be overwhelmed. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, the, the, the benefits of a fast for me, as I say, are really mental and short-term physical for sure, but uh, uh, it's really a, a question of knowing that you can go without food for as long as a week and, and come out feeling okay or e- feeling even better than when you went in.
1: Well, to our listeners, as John said earlier, fasting isn't for everyone, and you should be talking with your primary care physician about any new diets or fasts that you're considering. But John, for you at least, how did you discern, you know, I think discomfort is kind of part of, especially a seven-day fast, that's really impressive, but how did you discern kind of when, you know... You were experiencing this expected discomfort versus when you did you ever think at some point like oh maybe i'm in danger
2: no not really I, as i say Kayla, you know at the beginning i felt a little cranky and uncomfortable the first couple of days two or three days but then you know i really felt fine and uh, actually i've done it a little longer but but than uh, a week but uh since then but um you know some people do it swear by it for 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 longer but uh, i wouldn't recommend that i i did feel in danger at any point at some i stopped when i felt you know a little weak physically and and that maybe it was a good idea to 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 resume uh to resume the process uh, but I I really enjoyed the idea that I can get off, as I say, this this treadmill, this sort of unthinking procedure of eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and and uh, I like the idea personally uh, that this is something I have the ability to control. That it you can t- it, it takes focus and maybe a little discipline, but I. I also want to emphasize I do not see this as self-punishment in any way, you know, for me that's not what it's about. It's about sort of testing limits the way I guess some people like to climb mountains or, you know, swim in icy cold lakes, which I do not like to do. <laughs> but um uh yeah, it it um yeah, I found it a, an empowering experience and um and also a way to start thinking about things that are are all around us that maybe we don't take time to appreciate. It could be even seen as a form of extended prayer. Although as I say, I'm not religious.
1: Uh huh. Sorry. Well, let's go ahead and take a break right here. And when we get back, we can continue our conversation. The number to call for our callers is 833-877-8255. We'll be right back.
0: I'm Tanya Mosley. And I'm Juana Summers. People collect all sorts of things. Sports memorabilia, stamps, and antique lamps. If you've collected a few classic cars over the years and you also love public radio, consider this. Donate it to this station and it could mean hundreds of dollars in support. Donate online at tpr.careasy.org or call 877-486-1227.
1: Welcome back to The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla in for David Martin Davies. Today we're talking about fasting. Do you fast? Does it help your life? Has it improved your health? You can call us at 833-877-8255. That's 833-TPR-TALK. And joining us today is John Oakes. He is publisher of the Evergreen Review, and he's also author of the new book, The Fast, The History, Science, Philosophy, and Promise of Doing Without. And so I want to listen to a voicemail that we have.
2: I have been doing fasting for years, and now I'm doing um, OMED, the so one meal a day, which is great because I've lost so much. I've lost weight in my joints. Everything feels awesome. Um, but I was wondering if you had any tips because, or any insight into the 48-hour fast. Uh, I have not been able to do that at one time, and I, don't, I, can't, I hit 30 hours, and then I am just so hungry, and I, I don't know how to get over that hump. From what I understand, 48-hour fasts, are, like, the ideal in terms of losing body fat but not muscle mass. Um, but I, I don't know what your insight is into that. So it'd be great if you could provide some examples of maybe how to overcome those sort of, like, walls and also what are the worst uh, fasting regimens and maybe what are I- ideal. Thank you.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much uh, to that caller for their questions. And, John, do you want to start by talking about the 48-hour fast?
2: Sure. Uh you know, I'm probably a bad person to answer this, uh, but I find intermittent fasting, uh, including forty-eight hour fasts, uh really tough. And so it's something I'm I'm sort of all in or not. Mm-hmm. I uh do not uh I'm not somebody who, who likes to do fast uh fasting little bit here and there. So For me, I much rather commit to a longer period, uh, because as your caller observes, you know these the 48 hours. Though when you go without, if you really go without food for 48 hours, that's your body's still complaining like crazy, and uh, it's a little uncomfortable, and you don't really get to a point where you're feeling good about things until about. Uh, you know, it depends, but certainly after 48 hours, and then it becomes a lot lot easier. And you you sort reach this plateau of uh, when your body starts putting out all these ketone, uh, things called ketone bodies, and you start going into ketosis, and all this good stuff starts to happen. Um, But uh, as I also say, I want to repeat something, Kayla, if you don't Mm mind. It's great that you're Listener, the person who called in has found a benefit from fasting, but 40 to 80 percent of our body weight is determined genetically, and the fasting has been shown again and again to be not a good way to permanently uh, keep weight off. And I don't know what the solution to that is, but um, fasting does not seem to be a good. Method. Uh, I guess if you can stick with it your entire life, uh, I mean, obviously, if you eat less, your weight is going to go down. But um, it, it, it's not something that's going to permanently affect you. So I'd be cautious about turning to fasting for weight loss. Um, uh, the, the, the medical evidence on that really seems to weigh in against it.
1: Um, is part of that because sometimes when people try to fast and maybe they aren't accustomed to it or, you know, they try to do these shorter fasts that they kind of end up binging uh, instead of just Absolutely. holding on to that fast?
2: Yeah, yeah. And also, we live in a society where we're just deluged with with offers of, I mean, you walk in, you know, there's, there's tens of thousands of products on offer and you just get this sensory overload, and you're continually being exhorted to buy stuff and eat stuff. You can't turn around without that happening. And uh, so it it becomes really difficult to uh, uh, even just sort of not in, indulge all the time. So for sure, you, you fast, and then you feel you ought to binge. And uh, that, to me, doesn't seem like a very good way to... Uh, manage your body. Uh, but, you know, as I say, I'm not a nutritionist, not a medical doctor, but it just doesn't seem a very sensible way. I prefer a much more moderate overall lifestyle and then these occasional bouts of uh, intense uh, uh, fasting.
1: Well something else that the caller in the voicemail had brought up is they were concerned about uh, losing muscle mass it seemed like and so I'm curious over your 7-day yeah. fast did you lose uh like how did your body change
2: Well the first of all the the these chemicals go through you and if you keep fasting uh to uh beyond a few weeks your body you know the the first priority of your, your body, the organic system is to keep your brain functioning. And if it can't get protein from anywhere else, it's going to start eating away at your muscles. And then you get into something called cachexia, which is a, a fancy term for basically starvation. And then uh, it will start eating away at your muscle mass and eventually even at your, the, your heart. So that is a very, to me, a very good argument to stay away from super long fasts. Mm-hmm. And um, although some people advocate this, to me, that seems nuts. Um, and, you know, there are these clinics where people pay thousands of dollars a day to uh, for the privilege of having food withheld from them. And that also seems to me uh, very questionable. In fact, in Texas, there was for many years a a clinic that's now been shut down because of uh, lawsuits and several deaths that occurred there, um, uh, shut down, I think, in the 70s, uh, might have been a little later. But, uh, you know, it, it it can be a very dangerous exercise, and there's no question of that. Uh, but if you do it to a limited extent and you pay attention to how you're feeling, it, uh, you asked about my case I just, you know, when I started feeling a little wobbly, I thought, well, you know, maybe it's time to, to, to get back into things again. And I did. And uh, the result was fine.
1: Yeah, I think we see that in your book, uh, where you share some of your journals from your seven day fast. <laughs> and I think around day five, uh, you were writing that, you know, you had done some exercise, but on this particular day, you refrained from doing push ups
2: yeah yeah no i I started getting a little spacey and uh you know some people feel in the court around day five, you know the labor leader Cesar Chavez, who was an inveterate fast, he did several super long fasts um he would say he said that uh when he would wasn't bad at that point, he'd have these be able to do these incredible feats of memory and recount entire conversations uh, word for word. And there is some medical evidence that for some people, that kind of thing can, uh, can kick in. Uh, For me, unfortunately, I didn't experience that, but I did (laughs) uh, start to feel a little uh, uh, extra wobbly. And, uh, but you know, I I think for a, a a reasonably stable person, it's it's a great experience.
1: Well, I want to go to a caller that we have, and we have Elizabeth on the line. And go ahead. You're on the air, Elizabeth. Yes, I want to make sure you can hear me okay? Yeah, you sound great. Fine. So I'd like to return to the Catholic tradition
3: just briefly, the history of it. Uh, what we're talking about now is very important information on the physical effects on the body. But the focus... And Christian and Judeo tradition was spiritual growth. And so it was more about the spirituality of the person aimed towards curbing our selfish tendencies to self-indulge, to be selfish as Cain was uh, with his brother Abel, and to restore our capacity to be free and to curb those selfish tendencies so that we could be free to love others and to care for others. So the point is positive. The point is to grow in the love of God and the love of neighbor. And uh, if we want to know what that does socially, it has very good impacts on social life. Uh, imagine the crowd before standing before dawn at the doors of Walmart on Black Friday and trampling each other and fighting each other and almost killing each other over grabbing this materialistic, consumeristic good that we think we must have And that is selfishness at its extreme where people will do anything just to possess. And so uh, it's to curb those tendencies, the tendency to greed, the tendency to excessive uh, satisfaction and all of the appetites and human appetites that keep us from being open to the needs of our neighbor, from loving our neighbor. So I just wanted to point that out. Uh, The point of our fast and lent is to grow in love. Uh, And Vatican II pointed out the positive aspects of fasting, because we have, for example, in the South, in fact, all over the United States, up until that point, we had Catholics who were fasting seriously and being very grumpy at work and mean towards their neighbor, towards their children, but also Catholics who considered themselves very devout Catholics and kept the fast. In fact, it was... One upsmanship in some cases, but at the same time, they would not allow blacks to come and kneel at the same communion reel. They would now allow them into the church, but insisted on segregation of churches, both for Hispanics and for blacks and for other minorities. And so uh, the church said, wait a minute, that's not what fasting where's the Where's the connect here between the fasting and the self, as spiritual self discipline? And the capacity to love your neighbor and treat everyone as equal with equal dignity and to welcome people of all races and creeds and languages into our worshiping communities as brothers and sisters. So Vatican II tried to shift the focus back to the whole positive point of fasting as opposed to the self-degradation and sometimes spiritual
1: pride that that could lead to all right elizabeth well thank you so much for that call i think that was a really meaningful comment that i appreciate and john i want to get your response when we get back from this break but the number to call if you have a question or comment is 833-877-8255 this is the source on texas public radio and we'll be right back Welcome back to The Source on Texas Public Radio. I'm Kayla Padilla. We're talking to John Oakes, who is publisher of the Evergreen Review, and he's also author of the new book, The Fast, The History, Science, Philosophy, and Promise of Doing Without. And John, I want to get your reaction to our caller that we had before the break, who was talking about the, the positive aspect of the fast and what it means and how it teaches us to love our neighbor.
2: Definitely. Uh, uh, thanks, Caleb. Uh, no, what Elizabeth said was right on the mark. Uh, fasting also serves, when you do it in a group, a religious group, as happens during Lent or Ramadan or uh, in the Jewish tradition, it serves as a binding agent because you're, uh, you're, you're fasting as a community and you're all participating in what to some degree is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice that gives you richness, spiritual richness, but you're giving up something. And you're thinking about giving uh, the consequences what happens when you give it up, but you also get a a strength from that, uh, whether you're religious or or you do it in another context. I I found that to be the case. And that, by the way, is also what happens during a hunger strike when a, a group of people Participate in a hunger strike, even if the strike isn't successful. There's a community that results uh, from the shared experience that is extremely powerful, and um, uh, it's it's really a very effective nonviolent way of uh, expressing uh, dissatisfaction with the way things are. But uh, the yes, the the uh, religious uh, experience has has been. Uh, that that that's been emphasized in, in in just about every major world religion, um, uh, you know, certainly in, in Buddhism uh, and Islam, and yes.
1: So, John, what are some of the ways that fasting has helped you do without in other aspects of your life?
2: Well, it it's made me reconsider what I'm consuming just on a daily basis and how much I need to consider and uh, how much I need to consume. And if it's something that I'm doing unconsciously or if I really need to do it, I, I think we get into this, uh, stream of, of being this, this what's called psychologists call automaticity where you, you don't really think about eating that, uh, extra donut or pizza. It doesn't mean it's, it's sin it's, it, or wrong, but the question, do you really need it? Is it something that's really helping you function, or is it even perhaps getting in your way? You know, that's how fasting can, at least for me, has been uh, a very helpful way to reconsider things in a healthy, uh, spiritually healthy, not only uh, physically healthy, but a spiritually healthy way of being.
1: So you broke your seven-day fast by eating a boiled egg, a couple of almonds, and some tea, and you write that you didn't have this transformational experience or this, like, savoring of eating this food. Instead, you thought that the egg was kind of disgusting. Do you want to tell me, can you tell us more about that experience?
2: (laughs) Well, yeah, when you come, at least for me, uh, and I read for some other people too, uh, when you come out of a long fast, the sense of the uh, tastes and smells that you take for granted really become heightened. And uh, you just, uh, all, all this kind of stuff gets, gets emphasized in a way that uh, normally it's dulled because you, you keep, you eat an egg every day and you don't perhaps think about the texture of it and the smell, but you really start to parse it in in terms of the senses when you come out of a fast cuz you've really been away from it for so long maybe drinking only tea or you know vegetable broth or something and then you suddenly get assaulted by these smells and tastes and you and uh, but i i also would emphasize Kayla, i think it depends on the person cuz uh i've also read about people who come out of long fasts and then they just you know gobble down stuff and they they seem fine but for me um it wasn't it it didn't feel so great to start eating again <laughs> and uh i thought actually with some regret oh maybe i could have gone longer but i think it's probably you also at some point you have to fast from fasting you don't want to become sort of hooked on the process I think that for obvious reasons, that can be dangerous and uh, unhealthy. Um, And I I keep coming back to that because I do think it's important to have limits on what we do and to, uh, you know, realize that we need controls to our lives, self-imposed controls. I'm not uh, arguing for, uh, you know, State control, but I think we do need to to impose limits on ourselves and how we behave and what we do. and yeah, and fasting is a good way to to uh, set those up and to think about them, you know what's important.
1: Well, in your book, you also write a series of you know these statements that fasting can be anti-authoritarian. Yeah. Um, it can essentially be whatever you want it to be. You write how it can also be used um, not in a good way. So it's kind of a just can you talk more about that anti-authoritarian anti-author- part, though?
2: Sure, sure. So um, you can't really impose a fast on someone. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's a personal choice that needs to be made. I mean, if you're Catholic or Jewish or Protestant or whatever, and you're your community is fasting, you are supposed to fast. But frankly, no one's really going to know if you don't do it. So to me, it's a very, uh, it's a wonderful thing that reaffirms your agency in this matter and your agency over your body. Uh, And I think that's really a great thing to be reminded of. Um, But... In in a prison or even uh, amongst protesters, uh, uh, a hunger strike is a way to say that we are going to take ourselves out of the stream of things, and we are binding together and uh, decide uh, and and declaring that uh, we don't like the way things are going, and that's it, it's a very powerful statement, and it goes back to this uh, to. Not only to the traditions that are uh, in in religions, but even in, in, for example, in Ireland, there are the, these pre-Christian traditions of something called a truskiad, where people would fast on the doorstep of uh, a wrong somebody who had wronged them, and they you'd, they'd get into these sort of these fasting duels because if uh, uh, somebody owed you a debt and they weren't acknowledging it, you'd fast on their doorstep and then they had to fast in turn. uh, And if they didn't fast uh, in response, they were seen as uh, outcasts and there were even laws against illegal fasting in ancient Ireland. But so it it opens the door to a, a spiritual realm, which is, can be quite powerful.
1: Do you talk about this a little bit in your book, but does fasting have to be absolute to be effective, whether it be physically, um, just like spiritually, or how does fasting here and there just help you transform your life and make you reset and think about the world differently?
2: Well, Kayla, I you know, I would even make the case that I don't think people even need the fast to to, to benefit from it. Just thinking about what it does, I think, can maybe help people, too. Um, that may be an extreme position, but uh, certainly going through the actual experience, you understand it better. But just thinking about what it is and what it does, I think, can be beneficial. Uh, but but as you suggest, it's medically it's been shown that Even uh, in terms of health, it can help your body even just a few hours of uh, going without, you know, intermittent fast, going without a meal here or there uh, can can really give your body a break and give it a chance to recalibrate. Uh, And uh, I suppose but as I say, for me, that's a very difficult thing to do. Mm -hmm. I like to have a, a routine and then. I like to say now I'm gonna have a break from that routine, but you know for for other people who don't work that way, that I think our first caller uh, benefited sounds like he was benefiting very much from uh, uh, doing uh, his intermittent fasting and good for him, but that's not something that I would uh, undertake.
1: So when you broke your fast and began return returning to your regular schedule what did you learn about how much you were over consuming in your life and we have about a minute and a half here what were some of the big takeaways from what you learned about overconsumption materialism and doing without
2: Well the biggest lesson for me Kayla was that I could I found I could go a week or more without I, I really hadn't considered uh, the first time I did a long fast. I never thought I could do that. Uh, you know, I'm not an extreme person, and I did not think I could go a day or two even without food, uh, without collapsing. And I found, you know, I actually could and be very comfortable. Uh, well, a little uncomfortable, but, uh, but not, uh, you know, things weren't going to collapse. And I think we're all operating with the sense that uh, Armageddon is around the corner and it doesn't have to be. I think we can feel a little, little more secure about ourselves uh, if uh, undergoing this kind of experience. Um, again, you know, I want to emphasize, I'm sure there's some people, my mother, for example, you know, if she who is, uh, has left this, this plane many decades ago, it. If she had gone without food for two days, I'm sure mm-hmm. she would have collapsed. She was a tiny thing. So mm-hmm. it depends on the person. But for me, it was a really empowering experience. And I, I think it can be for a lot of other people, too. And also, well, I, I just want to quickly.
1: Sorry, go ahead. Well, Take we have to, We have to end the program right here. John Oakes yes. is publisher of the Evergreen Review. And his new book is The Fast, The History, Science, Philosophy, and Promise of Doing Without. And John, I just really want to thank you for coming on our program today.
5: Thank you
2: so much,
1: Kayla. This is The Source on Texas Public Radio. Thank you so much for listening.
0: This has been The Source on Texas Public Radio. The Source is hosted and produced by David Martin Davies. Kayla Padilla is our booking and engagement producer. Engineering support from Ruben Garcia, Jesse Reeves and Steve Short. Dan Katz is TPR's Vice President of News. The Source is made possible with support from the Gladys and Ralph Lazarus Foundation.